Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're going to be talking about Babylon 5, Season 3, Episodes 8 through 10, A Message from Earth, Point of No Return, and Severed Dreams. So, Adam, why don't we start with uh, A Message from Earth, and you can give uh, the rundown of, of what happened, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. Okay, so this episode starts with a uh, representative from Planetary Expedition showed up, showing up and letting letting the, uh, the the War Council on Babylon Five know that they have discovered shadow ships buried before, and that uh, they've recently found one uh, in the uh, I forget it's uh, on Ganymede. That's right, and. Uh, and uh, Earth is basically experimenting with it. They want to try and use it. So she's kind of, you know, Marcus has brought her in so that they can uh, try and prevent Earth from uh, making use of this shadow ship, which leads to them uh, having Sheridan head out in the White Star to uh, try and destroy the ship before they can use it, before it's activated. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that leads to further complications. But, uh, yeah, what did you think of this episode? Um, well, I think, number one, these three episodes are all kind of, They have to be taken together. I they think. do. And so <laughs> it doesn't exist in isolation. But I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I enjoyed all three. I mean, I just to say, this, this was an... Uh, this is like... I think these three episodes are... This show can, can, can probably not get any better than it than it was with these three and so i imagine that i'm sort of at the peak of babylon 5 that's what it feels like to me like this must have been like if you were watching it at the time this is sort of got to be the pinnacle um i'm sure i'm sure that they have that it doesn't degrade after this i just i just can't imagine the show getting better than it got with these three episodes yeah, I'd say there's there's other peaks too, but I'd say this this is as good as Babylon Five gets, I think. And that's episodes. really good. That's like <laughs> you know, the, the, so so um, so number one, uh, I like the there, there, there's a very small section of it devoted to Jakar when he's in the the prison cell, and I think Garibaldi is talking to him, and they and 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 Jakar yes. is trying to get him to read the um, the Book of Jaquan, and and so so number one. Does Garibaldi know Narn? No, they actually brought that up in the previous one. Because mm-hmm. uh, there was an episode in the, one of the earlier episodes, he shows up at Garibaldi's quarters in the middle of the night. You know, Garibaldi's asleep, and you know, Jakar rings no, his door, and, and then he throws the book at him, and, and Garibaldi's like, "I don't know Narn," and Jakar just says, "Learn," and leaves. But that's so. what I'm saying. Is he? Is he like? Oh, is he learning? I'm be, sorry. Because thought... because he um. Because he says, well, like, Jakar asks him what he thinks about it. And he says, well, the parts that I understand, they're interesting. And so I don't think he's just talking about the pictures. I'm wondering, oh, did, did Garibaldi think... actually sit down and try to learn this language? And, yeah. And, and so, like, it's clear. He, I mean, I don't, from the conversation, it didn't sound like he had any level of mastery. But but maybe some of it is intelligible to him. Um, I, well, I think, I think he's he's probably, you know translating as much as he can and picking up what he can. I, so I think he's working at it. Either that or he just cheated and like went and read the Wikipedia synopsis okay. and it's just... But just that cheating. is a sin. That is a... You cannot, <laughs> you cannot corrupt the Book of Jaquan by translating it, right? So... Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So that yeah. that was the other thing. That was so, so it has to be written... It has to be read in the original Narn. Narn is yeah. written uh, from right to left, which I... I that Now, th- that was a cool feature because I... I, I, I I don't know if we've actually seen somebody writing Narn. 
up until this point. Maybe we haven't. I just hadn't noticed. But uh, I don't think we have actually. I mean, yeah, Jakar spent a lot of time looking at books in the show, but I don't think we've seen him writing a book till now. And, but, so, uh, and so it's kind of got like a, a Semitic language type thing going on. Yeah. This guy's going from right to left. And uh, and and so yeah, I, I I like that bit of it. But the whole thing with the with the with the White Star and and Sheridan and Delenn that seemed to be really sort of the um, the emotional center of the uh, of the episode. Yeah, yeah, we get a big uh, Sheridan Delenn scene definitely while they're on their way to Earth. Well, not to Earth, but to uh, Ganymede. I I also feel like they're making like they they they're sort of drawing more of our attention to uh to delenn's femininity as a human if that makes sense like yeah like like i don't know i i feel like the show is trying to get us to see her more through sheridan's eyes over time and so i don't know that i thought those scenes really worked and um i also i i also i don't know i liked the um i i can see this sort of maybe coming to bite them in the butt in the in the future but but I like the tactic that they keep using to sort of outwit these superior vessels or or just <laughs> or, or, or to avoid, you know, he, he didn't want to destroy the Agamemnon. So, um, you know, they really they had they had to do something. And so they, I think they opened a jump gate in Jupiter's atmosphere, if I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's correct. And uh, yeah. And I mean, it's the kind of thing, too, that the tactic they used on this ship, it was a crazy ship piloted by an insane person that, you know, was merged with a shadow vessel that was acting irrationally. So it's not it's not like, aha, we figured out how to destroy shadow vessels. So it's like it, it's yeah. it's good. It's like, yeah, this is a trick that worked once. And but it's it's not it hasn't made the shadow vessels any less scary, basically. Yeah. No, and in that case, it was like they were using Jupiter's gravity to get the shadow ship to. uh yeah, yeah, that, that was got crushed. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's it's nice. It's a nice. It's nice when you have uh, scientific things like that kind of pulled into a show. It's like, yeah, that's that's an aspect of Jupiter. And and definitely, and, we're you know the the you know the shadow ships are something that the humans have known about. It seems and uh, yeah, and 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 there's there's there's. So so here's the one part I didn't get. The shadow ship went crazy, right? And and yeah. uh, and started attacking them, and the White Star basically destroys the Shadow Ship. Wouldn't Earth kind of know that, and maybe be like, "Oh, perhaps these are, oh, like maybe we shouldn't blow this person out of the sky if they just destroyed the Shadow Ship that could have potentially uh, just ruined Earth." Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like did Earth well, know that the Shadow Ship was going crazy, or did they? What uh, well, one the thing the thing to keep in mind is that. From Earth's perspective, they were going to use this shadow ship, and this ship came and destroyed this ship that they considered a valuable experimental weapon they wanted to use. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think they, they didn't view this shadow ship as a bad thing. It's like, who's this this guy that, you know, no, destroyed the, our cool weapon? I know they were planning on using it, but then when it did get out of control, wouldn't, uh -huh. wouldn't they have been thankful that it was put to an end before it could do damage to Earth? I don't know. Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, they could have taken it that way, but uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hadn't thought about it from that angle, but I mean, for, for one thing, 
you've you've also got the fact that Earth has gotten rapidly xenophobic too. So just having this, because I remember it's an alien vessel that they've never seen before, for one thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know that Earth is acting that rationally. Well, at the and moment. we don't and we don't know what anybody on Earth knew at a given time. Like we don't know how much of that thing with the shadow ship was a secret operation that only select people knew and and yeah you know so there's a lot of room for yeah and the other thing too is earth was just trying to get the ship to surrender too it's not like earth was immediately well the agamemnon was immediately trying to destroy the white star it was trying it just wanted to you know this this alien ship that had shown up in their system they wanted they wanted to you know figure out who they were yeah and uh, the, you know, and of course, obviously, you know, Sinc- Sinc- Sinclair Sheridan wasn't willing to do so, that. I also liked so there was a little throwaway detail when he was planning this whole White Star thing. The, the next episode is being set up with the Night Watch, and so they're very aware that his absence is going to cause a problem. And so he's got a whole plan for okay, if this thing doesn't, if, if this thing doesn't work, um, he 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 tells the doctor to to plan an organic mass to simulate a casualty. Um, at one point, which I thought yeah. was a, I thought that was a pretty interesting, um, uh, uh, I don't know, just, just something about that detail. I, I feel like Sheridan is very on the ball. I feel like a lot of characters wouldn't think that many steps ahead. Um, and, and it's a nice touch. Um, yeah, yeah, he is, he is pretty sharp. And, uh, and on Earth's side, it's, it's, you know, the big irony in this episode is that, you know, they, they succeeded at destroying the shadow ship. But having the White Star show up and create this incident is exactly what Earth's been waiting for to finally yeah. crack down and declare martial law. It's like so, aliens. There's aliens in our system attacking yeah. us. Did, did that happen at the end of this episode or at the start of next episode? At the end of this one. Okay. This one ends with, so, uh, with, with Marcus and Ivanova watching TV. That's yeah, so, how this ends. So that really get things get really interesting once that happens. That that yeah. is where this that I saw that happen, and then I I just remember being hooked in, but I couldn't recall exactly when it occurred. Um, another thing I was wondering about the uh, the whole sleeping horizontal is tempting death thing. That, <laughs> that seemed uh, I'd never, th- I never I guess I don't know is that true? Is that uh, number one? I, I um, don't <laughs> think so, but I can. I don't know. I mean, because I was thinking maybe they were thinking of sleep apnea. Like, is that what is that what they were? I I think they just no no. I I don't know. I didn't take it that way. I just took it from them. You know, symbolically, it's like you know, you never want your body. You know, because like they say, they have to meditate if they're kind of sleeping at that slant because they can't let their body really go limp. So it's a way of you're never really letting go of your body. I think is kind of okay. All right, so like I just found that curious because that looks really uncomfortable. That slow. Oh, it looks really uncomfortable. Yeah. It says something about them in Bari, I think. But it's just like, yeah, they 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 don't don't ever quite let their body <laughs> fully fully rest. They're they're you know they're going to a meditative state, kind of in a semi reclined position. But that's it. Okay, so so yeah, so that was uh, um. That was a really solid episode, though. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and it set up the whole, like, all these other episodes, like, everything that happens in this one becomes important in the next episode, which is... Um, yeah, well, as, you, as you know, I insisted that we watch all three of these as one podcast, because this, this is effectively a movie. You just kind yeah. of watch these three episodes, and they yeah, just you, stand up. You could watch these without having seen Babylon 5, and you would be entertained, and you would be yeah. probably hooked into the show. Yeah. Um, 
in fact, I was think like I think we talked about this, and, and I think you had a friend who came in during one of these episodes at one point. But well, he came in during Dust to Dust. Okay, dust that, to, okay. that one right before this, and, and yeah, so this was almost the first thing he watched. He watched Dust to Dust and went into these episodes as his starting point of the show, and yeah, yeah and he he enjoyed it very much. If I wanted <laughs> to get somebody hooked on the show, I might almost say. And like I knew that they weren't going to sit through fifty episodes of Babylon Five to get to the good stuff. Do you know what I mean? To get through the whole, to get to this point in the series, I might just yeah. show them these episodes. And yeah, and that might yeah. I mean, it's 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 you know, I mean, it's spoilery, but uh, I it, I think a lot of the things that are spoilery are intriguing things you're going to want to know, go go back and learn the details about. So yeah, I I I think that would be one way to go. And so, uh, so I guess the next one is the point of no return. So, the, and this is yes. the Night Watch episode. Um, and so, there are two things going on in this episode. Number one, the Night Watch essentially, because martial law has been declared, they start taking over the security of Babylon Five, and there's a power struggle. And the other thing going on is uh, the uh, Londo has this whole thread with the Empress arriving. And he's trying to extract a prophecy from her. He's been arranging this for a long time. And <laughs> wouldn't you know it, martial law is declared the, the moment that she, before she arrives. <laughs> and it really kind of shakes things up for him. And there's a whole you know thing that happens with the Narn that's uh, part of the uh, the plot line with the Night Watch. With the uh, but but I don't want to necessarily get into that just yet. So so I know yeah. what, what did you what did you think of this episode? Oh, this is, I mean, this is a great episode. I mean, it, uh, they've, you know, they've hinted before at the whole, you know, you know, uh, what was the term of chain of command thing before, you know, with the episode where the political officer showed up. So they set this up pretty well that, you know, that, and, and it's, it's the kind of thing you can see happening. I mean, you, you can actually see this in politics every now and then where it's like, oh, you know, the president will say something, but then he'll do it in a way that it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of countermanded. I mean, we, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, there's, there's just a, a precise process you have to go with. And it's, it's, you know, the, the solution to this episode is, oh, but it's the, the command was issued wrong. We can ignore it. And they use it to lock up all the Night Watch people. But, of course, it's, you know, in a lot of shows, that would be the way you win. But in this show, it's like, okay, well, we got away with that. But we know they're just going to send the order again. So all it is is just a way to buy yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes to think what their next step's going to be. So it's not even... It's it's just a, a solution that, that creates its own problems. Do we know the name of the Night Watch guy whose Zach has been dealing with? I, I was trying to find that just now, and I couldn't I couldn't remember his name. Um, you know, I don't recall him having a name actually. I mean, he is a, such a distinct character, but you're so he right. Might just, I, is he just because there's a guy listed as security guard number one? Is that maybe? I think, I think that, that's him. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking because he's not he's not General so, Smith. General Smith was the old guy, and uh, and that's it. That's so, it for uh, guest stars. So that guy was perfect for that role. He looked. Oh yeah. Just, just so if people haven't seen him, he looks a cross between Al Bundy and Bobby Flav. Like if you if you combine those two people, <laughs> that's who you get. And is and he, he just it's like the right combination of sloppiness and togetherness. Like there's like a the weariness about him where it's like I can see this guy going home and sort of you know, like slumping on his couch at night and being tired with things that annoy him in the world and, and kind of having like a chip on his shoulder a little bit. And, and, and I can sort of see how he would rise to the night watch the way he has. Was, uh, yeah. 
Um, but he apparently doesn't have a name from what we can gather, though. Who knows? I guess he doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's like kind of an oversight. See, it's not like this is the first episode he's been in. I mean, he's, a, he's an important character. He's a very yes. important character. Um, like he, he's the thing. He's the guy that's like really kind of spearheading. Like he's the most fanatical Nightwatch guy on the program that we really see, I think. Like he, he's the one who's kind of keeping everybody in shape. And, and it seems like him and Zach are basically the top two Nightwatch people. Uh, you know, well, it's, I mean, it's it's interesting because you know, I mean, it, it brings across how the Night Watch has really upset the order of things. Because I mean, Sinclair's in charge and, and Zach is his second. But as far as Night Watch goes, this guy's his is in control of Zach from Night Watch. So you've got, you know, it's like technically this guard guy should be beneath Zach. You know, as as far as just typical Babylon Five security. Yeah. But but with Night Watch, all of a sudden he's he's the boss. So. It's uh yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a complicated situation and uh and it leads to chaos. <laughs> and it was it was very interesting to see where where uh you know where Zach ends up over the course of the episode. But I think the the real cherry on top was the Narn, sort of the move that Jakar makes. And yeah. That really I'm wondering okay because when 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 Garibaldi visited him in his cell, he was going in and out of the shadow like crazy, and it was it, and it was it was you couldn't ignore it. It wasn't like. Oh, I'm reading into this scene. He was dipping in and out of that shadow, like a like a boxer doing the bob and weave. And I feel like I don't know where Jakar is going. I don't know because he's got a plan now. Like he, he he comes out of prison and he's like, I know what we got to do. I know I know what our um you know I know I know and we're gonna have to sacrifice a lot of Narn. And so the, the it's so so I'm wondering. So and, and now he's trying to work his way into the conspiracy. And he said, and and we know that he thinks Earth is key. So what I'm wondering is, he's either he's either going to fully commit to what Sheridan and crew are doing, or he's going to get in on that conspiracy so he can betray them to Earth and get all of Earth's firepower and direct it on the Centauri. <laughs> and so, I you know it could go either way. And because 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 he also talks about mistakes that they made, and obviously yeah. one of the big mistakes he made was he didn't capitalize on on the shadows reaching out to him and asking him what he wanted. Um, so, that's true. so I don't know. That's true. I'm, but, uh, but yeah, it's, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ambiguity, the whole shadow thing, you know, him going in and out of the shadows too. It's interesting. Cause a friend of mine actually just started watching the show this week. He, uh, and so I, I was taking a look at the, he, he was watching the prequel cause we were talking, I was looking at the prequel a bit this week and, and Londo, and you know the the scene with Londo on the throne in that he's doing the same thing. He, like he sits back, he goes into the shadow, he leans forward, he's out of the shadow, he'll lean back again, and he's so he's doing the exact same thing that that Jakar is doing in this episode. It's the same kind of shot, but yeah, it it is. He he's in a. I, that, and that's the thing it brings up too is that you know the other characters talking about it. it's like wow you know I think Jakar's on the level, but that no one. You know, I mean, it seems like Garibaldi's pretty sold, but everyone's everyone's still they're they're willing to trust Jakar now, but they're there's there's a bit of reservation to their trust just because of all the things Jakar has done in the past. So, well, and I mean, they they have uh they they've uh um they they've put him in charge of security, so I mean they 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 better trust him, I suppose, at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, but. But yeah, the uh, the whole shadow situation, though, I feel like, I mean, 
the thing is, the thing is though that Jakar has been against the shadows the entire time that he's known about them. He has, you know, been one of the more dedicated people just cuz his religious faith seems to be built on that to an extent. But um but yeah, uh as far as uh Brendan goes, Brendan had to step away for a second, so I'm just going to announce that we are going to be doing more gaming stuff soon too. We're going to be doing some gaming podcasts where we do kind of a active experiments to an extent where we test out things on various rules and then talk about it afterwards to see how they worked. So that will be an upcoming feature on the show just to promote that while we wait on his return. And, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, uh, that will be an interesting experiment, but, uh, geez, hopefully Brendan will come back soon. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll, I'll talk more about the show here. Uh, one, one interesting casting choice in this episode is that Majel Barrett, who was Gene Roddenberry's wife, plays the, uh, the, the seer who was the former emperor's wife in this. She, uh, so it's, it's, you know, obviously kind of a nod there having the widow of the emperor on this show played by the, the widow of Gene Roddenberry there coming to deliver what uh Londo wanted in his his blessing of sorts and uh but yeah he does get confirmation that you know he will be emperor but uh there's the added complication that uh Veer is also going to be emperor but one of them will be the emperor after the other one dies which makes them a little little uneasy with each other and uh here he is. Brendan is back. I apologize for that. And so, so yeah. So the thing about Veer, the thing with um, Veer uh, getting the so so number one. I was that, just talking about. No, that. I heard That's you. Perfect I, segue. I, I, I heard oh, you. you did. I heard you. Okay. Um. So that was pulled right out of I Claudius. That was like a ref. That was yes. a direct reference to I Claudius. There's no escaping it. And uh, and and it's one of the better scenes from I Claudius where. Uh, where, where you know there were there were these they were also dealing with sort of these Roman prophecies and 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 one of them was that uh, you know you know about who was going to become emperor and at one point she looks at Claudius who's kind of a lot like Veer Claudius is a similar type of character maybe a little bit more pathetic in a certain way but uh, mm-hmm. but also a little bit uh, stronger intellectually I think so it's it's a it's yeah. a little hard to compare the two characters but there's a similarity there and. It's sort of a throwaway line where she's like, "Oh, this person is going to be, uh, you know, emperor," but it says that one day you will be too, and and he kind he's he laughs and uh, you know it, it it's sort of played as almost a joke, but uh, but it's it's legitimate uh, sort of prediction in terms of where the show goes. Um, so uh, so yeah, so I so 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 here's the thing: one of them is going to become emperor, and the other one will become emperor after that one dies. And we already know Londo remains on the throne until he's quite old, it looks like. So, yeah. So I'm assuming that means Veer becomes emperor first, maybe, and dies young. Um, 
One of the things that's interesting, you know, talking about the prequel again, too, is, you know, with, with, you know, as you say, there are I, Claudius parallels in the show. They're definitely drawing from it. One reason, well, one reason I like watching the prequel first is that, you know, I, Claudius is a story. It's a show told with I, Claudius old writing down everything yeah. that's happened. And so it's all the show is effectively all a flashback. And by watching the prequel first, it kind of frames the uh, the series as having that same effect as oh you know it's it's old Londo telling these stories from the past so and, and I have to admit I don't remember the details of that of that exchange I just knew that the beats were quite similar and so one of the things I want to do after this because I think the last time I saw I Claudius was probably in 2011 or so I don't remember whenever the Acorn version of the movie of the series came out I watched it again um, yeah I, I'd like to I, I we're gonna do an I Claudius uh, set of reviews after we finish Babylon 5, I think. And I think it'll go well together because this episode really, like I've, I've been saying it the whole time and I'm sure it's not original. I'm sure everybody can see these connections between the two, but uh, but it's really getting pronounced now. And um, and so, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm an enormous I, Claudius fan, so I think. Yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I haven't watched the show in about 20 years. So doing that as a review, it's, that's great. I, I, I'm rusty enough on it that I could really watch it with fresh eyes again. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so, but I really enjoyed, I mean, I liked the plot with the Nightwatch. That was all great. And that was really significant to the story. And, and that would have been fine if that was the only story we got. But I really found myself enjoying the Londo stuff that was going on. That was almost sort of second tier to it. Um, yeah, you know, it was, yeah. uh, it, I don't know. It just, it just was, uh, it was just very intriguing and it felt like they were planting a lot of seeds. And, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's interesting. They are too, you know. I mean, the Londo plotline really has little relevance to what's going on in the main plot of these three episodes, but it doesn't feel intrusive or imbalanced. It's, it's an interesting plot in its own right that it really holds its own, holds its own in the middle of the huge chaos going on in the show at large. And I did like how they had uh, Londo changing all of Veer's reports from Mimbar. That was sort yes. of nice. Uh, um, you know, and, and he was basically he was just recasting everything so that it would play better on Centauri because he understands sort of what the Centauri are thinking and what they want to hear. And Veers, maybe, you know, he's just trying to report accurately on uh, on what he's doing. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny because it's 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 like on both sides. I mean, some of the stuff Veer is saying is naive because we know that. You know, we know the Minbari aren't all peace and love and stuff. I mean, they're like the warrior cast alone. It's like he's doing this. He is giving this overly optimistic, peaceful view of the Minbar, which really isn't true. But a lot of what he's saying is true also. And, a lot, and pretty much everything Londo is saying is is false. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, that it's like well, Londo is correcting his report, but in a way that makes it less accurate, but more appealing to, well, uh, as a product. And he had very clever ways of doing it. So like, uh, so Veer would say they have like, you know, all these great advances in culture and art and, and music and, 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 and Londo would go, yeah, yeah. But you could also just say they're decadent and they, you know, they're, they're, they're yeah, obsessed with pleasure. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, then, so it was, it was a very interesting conversation, and it, and it reminded me again that was another point that really ties to the kind of dialogue that was in I Claudius. Um, yes, that's that just style of writing, um, and I think also Veer's latching on to the to the truth sort of ties in with Claudius's being a historian and really sort of latching on to this idea of the truth as well. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so, like I, I well, I think Beer's purport was a little naive in places. He he, he does want it to be accurate. He's 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 at least trying he's, for accuracy. He's earnest. He's earnest. And, yes. But I have a feeling he's not going to end up as successful as Claudius in life. That he is not a, he is not <laughs> equipped to survive the way Claudius is equipped to survive. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so I I thought that was a good episode. I, I, again, this whole string of episodes is amazing. This is a uh, this is a really cool sort of three part series within the series, and uh, and yeah. it, and it's nice too because a lot of times you'll get the you know it's not like like you know when Doctor Who does the two or three parters, it's a very conscious. This is a three parter. It wasn't like this. It's sort of. I guess we're still part of it's still part of the same sort of story that's going on. Like you, you realize it's a three parter after you watch it, and uh, yeah, and that's what yeah. makes it so cool. Um, it was yeah. it didn't call attention to itself. It didn't consciously state this is part. Well, actually, maybe it did. Maybe it said part one. I don't, no, I don't, it isn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. They're not, I, I consider them a three parter, but they're not. They're not in any way officially a three parter. And I mean, okay. and honestly, you know, if if the you know, I mean, another show could have wrapped up this episode and had things somehow go back to normal. You know, it's like, oh, things got resolved at Earth and now, you know, the Night Watch is gone and, hey, we're going to go back to a plot of the week next week. You know, but obviously things go the other direction. <laughs> it, but, uh, but yeah, it is. It, I mean, I remember watching this episode the first time and I, I you know, I, I really didn't expect what happens the next episode to happen. You know, so, I, <laughs> I've been waiting for what happens the next episode to happen for a long time because I not that I thought it was going to happen, but I was like, if they just seceded from Earth, then they uh -huh. might be able to get a, then like all this stuff that's been annoying them this whole time that they've had to deal with. They might not have to deal with. Um, and yeah. so uh, not not to spoil the episode for people that were waiting for Adam's recap. But uh, Adam, why don't, why don't you explain Severed Dreams since we're at that Severed point. Dreams. That's the episode where they finally, uh, well, you know, basically uh, some, of the, some of the other planets have started to secede. Mars has attempted, to, has decided to secede. Earth starts bombing Mars. And... Uh, the Agamemnon shows up, or is it the Agamemnon? No, no it's, it's not the, the, Alexander. the Alexander. The Alexander. The Alexander. Agamemnon's the other ship. Yes, the Alexander Haig ship shows up because they've uh, gone renegade and been fighting with uh, other Earth vessels. So all-out civil wars broken out, and Babylon Five finally has to decide what to do. So they decide to uh, secede as well, and. Uh, Earth, Earth uh, sends forces to try and retake Babylon 5. And then the, the other plot line going on is uh, the land heads out to uh, Minbar to confront the Grey Council for the last time. Yeah. And uh, she uh, completely disbands the Grey Council and uh, Minbari, the, the Minbari worker and religious caste follower and, and just sever from the, uh, from the uh, warrior caste. And uh, and in this one, so like basically, Babylon Five secedes from Earth, and they protect. Uh, I mean, there's a whole thing where they're protecting uh, the Alexander uh, because he's he's officially pretty much declared war on Earth, and he's he's trying to stage a coup, and uh, yeah. um, and 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 so this whole big battle around Babylon Five occurs, 
and uh, it's pretty epic, I thought, for as far as battles go. Um, it is epic. There's, there's yeah. the the Alexander, and there's another ship too. I can't remember the name of it. Um, oh, the Churchill, oh, right? The SS Churchill. The yeah, Churchill. yeah. Um, and yeah, which shows up in the prequel, actually. I noticed last time, like, oh, it's the Churchill. But so, uh... <laughs> and so there's this big battle. They defeat them. There is a cost. There is a cost, and the, and Babylon Five is not in very good shape at the end of it. And it, but it looks like they've succeeded. But then Earth sends more ships, right? Is that, I think, yeah, what happens? Yeah, um, But then the Mimbari arrive, or Delenn arrives at least, leading a, and, and, and reminds them that, uh, uh, I thought this was a pretty cool scene. It was a little dramatic, but it was cool where she reminds them that, look, there's only one person who's ever destroyed a Mimbari ship, and it's the guy that you're fighting right now. So, yeah. uh, so go away. And, go away. And so, <laughs> and so I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. Um, so Babylon Five has some Mimbari backing, at least, at least from certain casts. Um, yeah, well, once again, you know, it's like you could, you know, it's the it's the cavalry arriving thing, which you see in battle scenes all the time. But it, you know, I mean, in order to achieve that cavalry arriving, she had to dissolve Mimbari civilization to but she uh, said pull that, that was up. Prophesied, right? Like that was part of the prophecy, anyway. Oh, it so. was. Yeah, yeah, so. it was part of the prophecy, but. You know, it's, a, it's still a big step, so it's uh, it's notable. And they and, and they uh, didn't use um, what's his name, the guy on the planet there. Um, uh, oh yeah, they didn't want it. They didn't want to bring a um, draw 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 into it on the great machine because uh, yeah, exactly. Well, they, you know, as he said, it's our, that's our race in the hole. You know, it's like once we reveal that, you know, so which is smart. Cause, I mean, it's. It's for fighting the shadows, not for dealing with their uh, their battle with Earth. So it would so, have been a misstep to bring that out. But now, so but here's the thing: Babylon Five is clearly no longer a human station. Now it is like a very sort of uh, it's a mixed group of different allied forces, and so you have a strong yes. human presence there. But the Narn are in charge. I don't know if they're going to remain in charge of security, but they at least are going to have a strong presence on the security team. I'm assuming. Um, yeah. And I don't know how that's going to work with Garibaldi and all the rest, but uh, the Mimbari are also uh, clearly part of, you know, like at least in terms of, you know, having some kind of ship defense system in place. And I'm assuming they're going to be bringing more and more people in because we've heard of all these different groups seceding. And so now what I'm wondering is, okay, now they're going to have to deal with any conflicts that they might have among themselves before they even are able to defend against Earth. Um, So... Or while they're defending against Earth, so yeah, uh, you know, so so it's setting up a very. I mean, I don't know what happens on the horizon, but that's and that's it seems to be setting up some interesting things because it's not just going to be. I mean, obviously Sheridan is the commander, and presumably he'll be calling the shots. But I feel like his position as leader is a lot more dependent now on the support of all of these alien groups that up until now he's kind of been able to dictate things to. Do you know what I mean? And so. Yeah. Uh, now, so, now, now, now he isn't. He isn't an appointed commander. Now he needs to be an actual just leader. He's just a leader because he's the leader, and he yeah. says so, and that's it. And, he, and yeah, I think, politics and, become and, more and, important. And they mentioned in the past episode when they were doing the martial law thing, he's technically a military governor, right? That's sort of his yes. uh, position there. So he's kind of like a legate from you know, like from Rome or something. Um, but yeah, uh, but but yeah, I thought that uh, um, I thought this was a. This is an outstanding episode, but but it's only outstanding because it's it's built upon two preceding 
episodes that all... Do you know what I mean? Like, the complete thing is what works. If this just popped into view all of a sudden, I think it would have been catastrophically too jarring. Um, The fact (laughs) that they built it up over three episodes is what made this work for me. Um, Yeah, each each episode, each of the preceding episodes ends on a good, ominous note. You know, the the first episode in this trilogy ends with uh, Marcus and... Ivanova watching the the news footage about you know Earth declaring martial law and the last one, the second one has that uh, that ending with you know with uh, with with Sheridan and Ivanova both looking out the window at the the bridge just you know wow I, I never never thought it would end this way and that's that's the end of the episode. Yeah. No, it's and, uh, and it also it builds on things that they've been cooking for a very long time in the series. So I feel like. Yeah. You know, like like the Night Watch thing has been building forever. Like I feel like that's been going on for a long time, uh, even even before it was Night Watch. Do you know what I mean? Like all of the all of the the sort of cultural pieces were being put in place to support that. And, yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Home Guard and all yeah. of that stuff going further back. And uh, and yeah, and the thing is, there have been plenty of times where, you know the commander of Babylon five, whether it's Sheridan or Sinclair has gotten away with a lot and still, you know, and, and, and at least to some degree gotten away with it. So the idea that it would, would really come to this, that it would really come to Babylon five needing to secede. It's like it, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. I mean, watching this the first time, it was generally really exciting watching this episode when they declared the pen. It's like, wow, this is actually happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I, I was really genuinely surprised. Well, and I, I didn't know that that, like, I, I had no knowledge that they eventually did secede. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that, you know, so, so like you said, you did, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And that was part of the thing that made it so thrilling. Um, you know? Yeah. Was, uh, but, uh, but yeah, th- this was, this was, this was a very, I thought this was very solid writing. And also it's built, it, it makes a very good case for how well constructed the whole show is because they're really are they're building on so much stuff that's come before, and and uh, and I think that's I mean that you know a lot of shows don't do that well they might do no. it, but they don't do it well um, exactly and I mean you know in the context thing of when I watched in the nineties versus now it's like you you've been thinking about them seceding for a while now and I know you've mentioned it in a number of, you've already mentioned it in previous podcasts even without knowing it's going to happen, but it's like, you know, you're coming from the era when big things do happen in TV shows. And it's like, I, you know, I knew when I was first watching this, that it was supposed to have a plot arc. And even after as great as season two was, I, I was, you know, there's just this, you know, you've heard that from shows so many times, you know, before that it was like, I was, I was still sick skeptical in this season. I just couldn't conceive of the show changing so much by not having Babylon 5 be this Earth Force Earth Force station anymore. So I guess I guess that is an important point because we are more accustomed to shows now that that will change over time mm-hmm. and and that really wasn't how shows operated back then. I mean, I, I mean, there were, I guess there were certain series that might do it by the nature of the genre they belong to, but you wouldn't expect that from like a science fiction show. Typically, you know, like, like even with star Trek, when they would have big grand conspiracies that, you know, were unveiled at the end of the season, there was like a yeah. reset button that was hit and everything would kind of go back. Cause you wanted that core premise to always be operational. That was, sort exactly. of, you know, it, it would have been, I think most people would have seen it as a, uh, is a problem if the core premise is not operational. So, uh, 
so and and this and this definitely draws you know the core premise is changing um and, yeah well the, the 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 classic you know star trek way of dealing with this plot line is this would have been the season finale and then the the, the season opener would be oh clark got overthrown Whew, we can go back and, yeah. and be part of earth again now yeah. that's great you know <laughs> and then then see that episode two would just be a normal episode <laughs> yeah yeah so no, because I do remember they did have like a corrupt Earth government plot. I think in the first season of Next Generation. Yeah, conspiracy. The one with the little little bug things yeah. that were inside people. Yeah. Um, and that was actually the, the remarkable thing about that episode. I remember watching it when it first aired. That was the most the, – where, where that one guy gets blasted with a phaser. It's the most violent thing I have ever seen on television up to that point in history. It might be the most, but <laughs> – it was, I, was, we just, I, I was watching it with my, with my gaming group back then, and we were just like, wow, <laughs> I can't believe that was on commercial TV. But, but, uh, but, but yeah, so this was great. This was really good TV. Um, I really wish I had seen it. When it you know, I don't remember what I was watching at the time. What year, what year did this one come out? This one came out in 96. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, between this and next podcast, I'm going to need to look at what TV was on in 96 and get a sense of what I was watching when uh, uh-huh. when this was airing i think that'll help me sort of contextualize some of the uh some of what i'm seeing um because it because because that is sort of like i mean it, when you when i think back to what tv was on at that time it was a very different very different moment uh from today um, yeah but again i yeah. come back to the same thing i feel like this show did something really great but but in a way i don't feel like a lot of shows have repeated it very well because a lot of the stuff that i see being emulated from this show or or some of the trends that that seem to have been started by this show I feel they they're just not handled as well I'm not enjoying I'm not enjoying this stuff when I see it in other places as much as I'm enjoying it here um, yeah I think so, I think it's the baby bathwater situation where this this show builds really solid single episodes and I think I think a lot of shows have forgotten that there are there are certain reasons why the single episode structure existed and I mm-hmm. think They've gone too far away from that, but I think I've talked about that before. Yeah, we've so. probably talked it to death, but but I think it's still an important point because it, it, it here is where you really see it. E- each of those individual yeah. episodes are still individual episodes, even though they're part of that three part thing. You want to find out what happens next, but you were totally immersed in what was going on that episode. Um, yeah, you're not just the, in a constant the, state of anticipation. Um, yeah, no, it's it's you're the you you have a, a very clear. We need to destroy the shadow ship plot in episode one that is resolved. You have a very clear, you know, dealing with Nightwatch plot, which is resolved in episode two. And you have the whole secession in in the third episode. So it's like they do feel like one big story, but they're also very separate, distinct stories in their own right. So it is the perfect example. So, um, so yeah, so I don't know. Do you have any other? Oh, actually, I did have one thought about that episode I wanted to mention, and it's a general point about science fiction. And I've probably made this point before, but number one, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of the actress who plays Delenn, but she uh, number one, she's really good. Like she she's, is. I, yeah. I, 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 I didn't really notice her at first because she sort of I don't know she was sort of flying under my radar in terms of performance and stuff, but I've really sort of been picking up on how. What I've been thinking about is in a lot of scenes where she has dramatic things to say, I've been thinking yeah. about what those things would sound like in the hands of a less skilled actor. And I'm realizing <laughs> that's exactly why a lot of, like, 
when that happens, that's why a lot of people find science fiction so hokey. Do you know what I mean? Because you get yeah. these, you know, you're talking a, you're talking dramatically about things that don't exist, and if you don't do it well, it comes off as really weird and and cheesy. Um, but like the scene with her in the council, I thought that really worked, and 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 I and it was largely due to her performance. I felt. Um, so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a. Yeah, and the thing is that that was a hard scene too because this is this is me speculating, mm-hmm. but I feel like I feel like they had they had trouble booking actors that week or something because you know we we don't see any of the mem- other members of the council they all keep their hoods on the whole time and nobody responds to her or talks to her so it's a scene where you know you know typically you would think there would have been you know some of the other members of the council would have responded or something, but they don't. And it's, it's kind of, I get the feeling that they're like, Oh crap, all those other actors were busy doing some other job that week. And they had to kind of have her just do this anonymous speech. And it, well, I, I mean, you just basically do a monologue and it, but yeah, she carries the monologue perfectly. Well, and it's funny. Cause when I, I, I listened to an interview with Straczynski the other day, um, which I've been doing regularly now because now I'm sort of interested in sort of the behind the scenes stuff. And he was saying that they, uh, that, that there was sort of a rule on Babylon 5 where they basically had to read as he wrote. There was no real, not only was there no like ad-libbing, but like if he wrote ellipses, they would, they would do the ellipses. You know, like, like everything on the page makes its way into the, into the, uh, um, into the, into, into the show. And so you can imagine the c- catastrophe that can occur if, if somebody doesn't, d- doesn't get those lines right, you know? Um, yeah. Cause there's really no wiggle room. So, uh, so I, I don't know. I've just been thinking. I've been really trying to pay attention to the performances on, on the show, and uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really enjoying her performance this watch. Definitely, it's funny because I, I feel like, well, you know, I mean, the thing is, she's, you know, I mean, I think they're doing a good job on this show of having her, you know, she, she, she is half human now, and it's like they're, they're, I, I think they've done a good subtle job of, you know, having her become more human, but not having to make a big deal about it or anything. It's just, it's just something that's kind of there. You just kind of notice just her characterization is, has subtly changed over time. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I I think, I think, and that's what I was kind of talking about when I, with the, with the moment that they had in the, where they were sleeping in the, the horizontal chamber, the, the, the slanted bed chamber. I don't know what you want to call it, but she was being more tender with him. And and it seems like, you know, the way that she, is acting is a little bit different than how she was acting in the past. The way that, uh, you know, I, so I, I feel like there's like a, a subtle shift in, uh, in the personality, but it's, but it's like you said, they're not like really drawing your attention to it in a heavy way. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think they're handling it pretty well. So, uh, but yeah, I, it's, no, I, but it, it, this, this, uh, like I said, this is, is a fantastic series of episodes. So, uh, but yeah, there's there there are some really fantastic ones to come in this season. So <laughs> all right, so so uh, I guess we'll. Do you have any final thoughts on the episode? Or are you? Uh, I think I have said all I have to say. Yeah. So um so we'll be back on. I think uh, tomorrow is Thursday, right? So tomorrow I'm going to be doing the um, uh, Buddha Palm with uh, with Lady Chow Fung, and. And then you and I were talking about maybe doing uh, a Friday Babylon Five, right? Was that something that we had? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We did talk about that. So yeah, I, I should be fine with doing Friday night. 
All right, so we might have a Babylon 5 podcast on Friday then. And, yeah. uh, and then we'll see what happens over the weekend and everything else. Um, and I know oh, I got to plug. We got the tournament in Dalu out. I should plug mm. that. Uh, people can pick it up. Uh, I normally don't talk about Bedrock Games things here, but but this is one I think people should really... It's pay what you want, so you don't have to pay a dime if you don't want to. But uh, it's, a, it's a really cool sort of city adventure with a tournament and some time travel stuff thrown in. So I think people will, uh, will enjoy it. And, uh, and so, yeah, we'll be back on... Uh, uh, I'll be back on Thursday. Me and Adam will probably be back on Friday. And until then, we will talk to you later. Bye.